You were listening to episode number 57 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 57 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. My name is Gordon, and if this is your first time listening to the show, you might be wondering, what is the Fit Successful Dad? And I'm going to break that down right now. The Fit Successful Dad is an avatar. It's a relatable avatar. It's not me. I don't consider myself the Fit Successful Dad. I don't look at any particular person and say, that is the fit successful dad. It's an avatar that I had in my head that I turned into this character that I think everybody can relate to that goes for males and females. It doesn't have to be a a male that relates to this because it says dad in the name. No, I think everybody can associate themselves and relate themselves to this avatar, this character. I believe that the fit successful dad is mentally and physically fit. And that person, that avatar, that character focuses on and puts energy into a strong body and mind unity, strength of body and mind. I believe that the fit successful dad avatar is successful and achieves success and pursues success and shoots for and aims for success on a routine basis, right? The avatar doesn't accept losing easily. It doesn't take, he doesn't take losing easily. He plays to win. He's competitive. He works hard. He puts in the work. He puts in the time. He puts in the energy to be successful. Success is part of that avatar's nature. It's part of that avatar's makeup. And I believe that everybody at least wants to be successful. And the fit successful dad is a dad, not necessarily of a young child. Okay. If you think about what a dad really does, a dad, a parent, a really good parent really does. A parent is a guardian. A parent is a teacher, a coach, a parent is a leader, a parent oversees somebody and raises them up from infancy to maturity. So at some point, whether you have children or not, you are taking over those responsibilities. You are no longer looking to your own biological or step parent or your guardian that raised you. You're no longer looking to them to do things like feed you and take care of you on a a minute by minute, hour by hour basis. Make sure you get dressed. Make sure you get places on time. Make sure you pay your bills. Make sure you take care of your responsibilities. At some point, you're no longer looking at those things, right? Somewhere in your adulthood, 18, 21, 25, you're no longer looking for someone else to make sure that you take care of your own stuff. 
And everybody can relate to that because it's real. That's what happens when you become an adult and you sort of develop those parental characteristics over yourself. The fit, successful dad has to do that. The fit, successful dad avatar is something that everybody can relate to on some level. And that's what this is all about. And that's the whole point of the podcast. And the reason the fit, successful dad avatar exists is because I think that a lot of people have ambitions of being successful. And a lot of people have ambitions of building, uh, let's say a business or ambitions of becoming an amazing musician or an amazing vlogger. Even that's, that's something a lot of people are trying to do. A lot of people are trying to become phenomenal writers and they, they lose focus sometimes in the nitty gritty of that specific thing they're trying to do. And sometimes they need to back up and look at what it takes to complete the whole picture. And in my opinion, because I've started to live through it, is that in order to be successful, it, it really starts with the fact that you're a human. And I have yet to find a successful person, someone who's truly successful, that's not strong mentally and physically. And if they're not, they're working on both of those things or one of those things. Because when it comes down to human nature, if we are in a very, very good place mentally, and if we're in a very, very good place physically, we literally feel unstoppable. We feel invincible. Find me one person that is so confident and happy with themselves mentally and just on fire with life mentally. And in addition to that, they are in amazing shape their health is tip top. They take care of themselves. They eat the right stuff. They exercise. Find me the person that has both of those things going on and is not successful or is not fired up all the time pursuing success in some way, shape or form. It doesn't exist. I have yet to find it. And I believe that if you think about it, and you haven't yet, if you think about it now here for the first time, if you were in that position, and maybe you are, but if you were in that position, if you were so strong mentally, confident in yourself 100%, and you were in great shape and you felt good all the time physically, that you would feel, as a result of having both of those things, you would feel invincible. You would feel like you could conquer the world. I know for a fact that when I have my days where I feel like that, when I feel great mentally and I'm, and I'm performing, like I'm, I'm, I'm lifting really, really, really good in the gym and I'm, um, my cardio's on point, I'm feeling really good and I'm, you know, whatever, I have the best days ever. It's not every day, but I have the best days ever. Mental toughness, mental strength, that's a very dynamic thing that varies day to day. It really depends on a lot of outside influences. Physical strength is the same way. Some people break down every now and again. They slip on their diet. They screw up. When they do that, they start to feel bad. 
when they start to feel bad, it affects them way more mentally. And then that affects them physically as a result. When you're mentally not strong, when you're mentally not fit and you feel lack of confidence, a lot of times that affects you physically. You start to feel sick to your stomach. You slouch a little bit. Maybe you don't have that swagger, right? That, that like pep in your, your step anymore, that spring in your step. That's all as a result of a bad decision you made. Bad decisions mental. So you see the circle, right? Mental to physical, mental to physical. And if you were able to dial those things in and you feel invincible and you get to that state, then your chances of being successful seem a lot more achievable. They seem more realistic. And a lot of times that's when people make massive strides. Okay. Which leads me to the topic of this podcast, and that is what it takes to build something and what it takes to build something is action straight up. It's action. It's not planning. It's not thinking. It's not strategizing. It's not using a new online tool. It's not talking to people. It's action. It's taking action. And what seems to slow down a lot of people, even if they start taking action, is that building something through action is slow. It just is. There's nothing immediate about it. And taking one small step is easy. Taking 50 small steps sometimes is easy. 100. But sometimes it takes 10,000 steps. And a lot of people can't do that. Right. Especially, especially when there are no visible signs of results in order, by doing that. You take 5,000 steps forward on something and you see no results or very, 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 very little in results. That can be crippling mentally. And a lot of people give up at that point or think it's not working because they don't see results. And this is, this is really relatable in so many areas. So earlier I talked about how some people are trying to chase things like building a business. Some people are trying to write books. Some people are trying to write an album as a musician. Some people are trying to do something completely different, a fitness transformation. And the people who have gone through those things understand that small steps have to happen and they're monotonous and they're boring and you don't always feel like you want to do them. And a lot of days you show up and you really would rather do anything else than put time into that thing. But if you stick with it, something actually comes of it. So I've told my story, my fitness story on this podcast before and just a quick recap, I lost about 75 pounds when I was 23 out of college, and it took about 10 months, and there's nothing quick about 10 months. It was day by day by day by day, right, 10 months, uh, but, you know, that's me, I've told the story before, so uh, another example, though, of someone 
close to me in my life who has undergone a similar thing is uh, one of my best friends. And he was a lot heavier than me. Um, and he was coming in uh, around 335 pounds. Big guy. Big, big guy. Uh, incredibly unhealthy. Right? Horrible diet. And uh, big beer drinker. So you drink beer a lot. And everyone who knows, who drinks beer knows there's, there's really nothing positive health-wise about drinking beer. And he was coming in around 330 pounds, starting to get really, starting to get really bad, uh, starting to be short on breath pretty easily, uh, didn't have the flexibility to tie his shoes very easily, and you know, trouble going upstairs over and over again. It was just, it was getting bad, right? Um, I was able to, after years, years, uh, motivate this guy, my friend, to start doing something about it. And, uh, he started in December, like the December, January timeframe. It really had nothing to do with new year's resolutions. It just happened to be around that time that we really kind of had a conversation about it. And we, and, and, you know, he got kind of serious and what he ended up doing was once a week, he was going to play hockey with me. So I play hockey, um, you know, at this stage in my life, I'm just, I play on some some low level teams. I uh, I sub in every now and again, and I play pickup just for fun. Well, he started going with me once a week, and he went from three hundred and thirty pounds down to three hundred pounds in a couple of months. It took a couple of months, so you know that was like two hours a week, and he started ticking away slowly at the pounds. Fast forward a couple months. And he's down 300 or he's down to 300 pounds. He's down 30 pounds. So then he, then he saw that there were some results happening and all of a sudden he got excited and he started making more changes. He changed his diet, flipped it 180 degrees. And then he got a gym membership. He started going to the gym and then slowly from 300, he whittled his way down to 295. 290, 285, 280, all the way down to about 250 pounds. All right. That's 80 pounds he lost. And that took him only about six months, six, seven months, just under seven months. All right. But seven months is still a long time. And it's still over like 200 days. But the point is he took action on it. And because he took action on it, he started to see results. And he kept going, even though he didn't want to. He didn't want to go to the gym one more day. He didn't want to eat another salad with grilled chicken and water instead of a pizza and beer. He didn't necessarily want to go play hockey every single one of those times. But he knew if he went and played hockey that he would end up skating like four miles in that in that game. All right. And... Then he, then he started going to the gym and he knew that if he went to the gym, then he would lift weights for an hour. If, if at, least, at least if he got there, if he walked through the door and checked in, that he would lift weights for an hour. And one day after another day after another day, just like me, he lost weight to the point where he was down 80 pounds. And that is the same process for business. You chip away slowly. Every single day, 
one little piece at a time, but you have to do it. Not talking about it, not thinking about it, not even planning. Planning is not doing. Planning a strategy on paper, even if it's a business plan, is not doing anything. That's a plan. Taking action is doing something. So here's another example. People ask me a lot on this podcast about Amazon merch. Uh, and it's, it's because it's not, so I use the term passive sometimes when I talk about it. It's not passive. It's, there's not, there's, there's no, no such thing as a passive income stream really. Uh, but it's the most passive income stream that I have. And I, I recommend that anybody who's interested in creating visual design stuff, at least check it out. Anyway, I get asked about it a lot because I'm pulling, uh, over a car payments worth of royalty payments, payouts every single month at this point. So, you know, it's about $500 a month is what I'm getting now. And I'm continuing to scale every month, but here's the thing. So the reason I bring this up, Amazon merch or any print on demand system like this is a slow crawl where you see little to no results for extended periods of time. And it, it can be kind of mentally draining, almost like you feel defeated, uh, especially if you're doing your own designs and you create 50 designs and you put them all out into the marketplace and you sell two, all right? Each one's getting you like $4 or $5 in royalties. Well, you put out 50 designs, you expect that maybe you get a couple hundred dollars, but instead you get eight, nine, ten dollars. Yeah, that's that is not fun. It, and it seems like it, you're making no progress, but you do that again and again and again and again, over and over and over again. And all of a sudden you're making fifty dollars, you're making a hundred dollars, you're making a hundred and fifty dollars, you're making two fifty, you're making three ninety. You're making $500 a month, right? Amazon merch is like that. So you're making all of a sudden $500 a month. Well, for a lot of people, $500 a month is no joke. $500 a month is a car payment plus insurance. $500 a month is half or, or a third or something of a mortgage. $500 a month is groceries for a lot of people. I mean, these are practical things. I'm not gonna shy away from $500. I don't know anyone that would just scoff at $500, but it takes a little bit of effort to do that. Now that I have that set up, I don't have to touch it to touch it on a daily basis in order to get that payout. I have my designs in the system. People continue to search for them and purchase them. I don't do any marketing for it, but I also understand that it could go away tomorrow. That's a whole nother conversation. But anyway, I have that out there and it's relatively passive, but in order to continue scaling that and in order to continue making and taking advantage of the system, uh, that came out wrong, not really taking advantage of the system, but taking advantage of the opportunity that is the merch system, I have to put in time. I have to put in effort, right? Little by little, by little, by little. And I have uploaded complete design uh, like bursts, bursts of designs, 20, 30, 40 at a time over the course of a couple of days and sold one or two of them. It happens. 
It, it really, it happens. It's been a while because I've gotten a little bit more intelligent because I've spent so much time on it. So now I'm experienced and I consider myself uh, experienced enough that if I make a design, and I put it up, I have a lot of confidence that it'll actually sell. I know the game at this point a little bit. But that took a lot of practice to get there. It took a lot of reps to get there. It took a lot of gaining of experience in order to get there. And I trusted in the system, basically. I continued to try even though I failed a lot. And every time I failed, I was able to shake it off and keep going. Shake it off and keep going. Oh, your designs haven't sold in 60 days, so we're taking them down, Mr. Light. Okay, well, that sucks. Let me make... 10 more and put those up instead. Or, you know what, let me just change a couple things about that design and put it back out. And that's what it takes. It takes taking action over and over and over again. And every time that there's a failure or feedback that's negative, you need to be okay with that and just adjust to it. That's the way that it is. So you're going to make a change, adjust, pivot, whatever you want to call it, and go back in to the ring again and give it another shot. That is what separates people like quitters who are unsuccessful from winners who end up being successful. That's one of the key things that separates them is the person who can, can take the hit, say, you know, ouch, that sucked. Let me get back in there and try it again a different way. I'll make a small tweak and try it again. All right, that's winning mentality right there. So another example of this is my first physical products brand. This is really my first entrepreneurial endeavor that I did as far as physical products go. And it was wrist straps and wrist wraps. So if you're familiar with... Uh, CrossFit or weightlifting at all, really, um, especially in the the heavier ranks, like not necessarily powerlifting, but once you start getting into deadlifting and like extremely heavy bench press and stuff like that, a lot of people wear these support uh, accessories. One is a wrist strap, and that's used for pulling exercises like deadlifts or pull-ups if you're really trying to crank up the, the weight. And there's another similar accessory, which is called a wrist wrap, which is different. That's mostly for pushing exercises. So one is for pulling and one is for pushing. And they're both important. And a lot of people use both depending on which exercise uh, they're doing or which muscle group they're working out. And I designed a somewhat unique version of both of those things. And I, they weren't just a commodity. I didn't just have them printed as is with my label. I, I made some tweaks. I made them unique a little bit and I put them out in the marketplace and they were very successful, but they ended up being something that I did not want to continue to put energy into for a number of reasons. Uh, one is that there was a ton of competition, and I mean a ton of competition. Uh, even though my product was unique, it wasn't unique. And the product itself, the, the style of product, the wrist strap in general, not necessarily mine or another brand's, the wrist strap is such a 
it's such a generic type of item that additional features like I had, like special grips and the way it was made and the sewing and everything, they it was kind of unnecessary. So the product itself didn't really, it, it wasn't really enough to make a buyer choose mine over theirs in every situation. In a lot of situations it did, and I made a good amount of money from both of those product lines, but the product, the profit margins were very, very low, and the pricing had to be such that I could stay competitive, even though I was more expensive, and I did sell a lot, and people did like them, and I was great at customer service with these these customers, and I got great reviews and everything. I I didn't stay in that business, uh, and and really that that's that's kind of you know I don't want to talk too much about that, uh, but the the reason I'm even talking about it now is because in order to get that business up and off the ground, and again it was my first physical products business. Here's what it took, okay. First time doing any of this, by the way. It took me finding a supplier first and foremost. So pretend for for a minute that you didn't really have a lot of resources on how to find suppliers. You know, maybe you heard about Alibaba or something here once or twice, but other than that, you really don't know anything. I had to go and find a supplier, and I had to contact that supplier. I didn't really know how to talk to vendors suppliers and manufacturers. So that was all brand new. I didn't have a business. I didn't have an LLC and I thought I did. I thought I needed one, excuse me. Uh, so I didn't have that. So I came across as just some dude buying some stuff. So there was that. I got a lot of samples because I, I had a PayPal account and I had some expendable cash. So I was able to buy samples and that was all great and everything. But now once I once I figured out, okay, I have this sample, I want to make these changes, let me talk to the supplier, they agree to the changes, uh, you know, now what? Now I have to exchange money. Well, here's the problem. Alibaba is great if you're buying from China. Alibaba is not so great as far as handling money if you're trying to buy from Pakistan. Now, Pakistan is a huge textile country. They make a lot of materials for like fabrics and things like that. My supplier was in Pakistan. And since I can't transfer the money through the security of Alibaba, now I have to take a risk. And that risk is either a money order or a bank transfer. Right? That's my risk that I'm taking. And I, again, pretend you know nothing about this. Right? That's the position I was in. I knew nobody personally who was buying things overseas. I had heard a couple podcasts, but no one on any of those was buying anything in Pakistan or had any experience with it or could even speak to it. So here I am dealing with a Pakistani uh, manufacturer and they were great. They were really nice and really easy to deal with and they spoke English really well and there was no breakdown in communication whatsoever, but I had to take a risk. So what I did was I, I rolled the dice and I sent them a payment through direct bank transfer and they got it and they sent me photographic evidence that they were building my products and then they shipped the products. I got the products. Everything was perfect. Great. Okay. So now what? <laughs> so now, you know, I'm ticking away at this thing, right? I had to wait like a month to get them, you know, and while I was doing that, I was making my listing. Now I've got all these products. I really don't know how to get them into Amazon 
other than like, I, I kind of know how to make the shipping label, but I had to go learn all that. And sometimes I would spend an entire night just messing around in Amazon seller central, which is like the dashboard and Amazon just to figure out how to even make a shipping label. And then I had to deal with how to figure out like how, how to in, input a SKU number and an FN SKU number. Those are two different things and how to get my products labeled so that I could send them to Amazon because I know that if I sent them without that label that they might throw them away or send them back at my cost. And these are all things I had to figure out. And that took a ton of research and that took a ton of time, right? And a lot of that stuff took time and showed no result, showed zero result. And that's hard to do. It was my first time getting into anything like this and every single thing I did had zero result, right? When you send a bank transfer to another country and manufacturer tells you, we got it, we're working on your stuff, that's not a result. That's someone telling you, hey, we got you your your money, we're gonna make your stuff. So now I had a you know a couple thousand dollars tied up with nothing to show for it. I had to trust in the system, trust in the process. Once I got the stuff and I figured out how to make the listing and I had the stuff sent into Amazon, I had to wait, I had to be patient. Right? There was no immediate result. Even when the stuff got accepted by Amazon and the listing went live and the quantities were there, I didn't have an immediate result. I did not have sales immediately. And I started running some promotions, whatever. I started getting some sales. But a lot of those didn't, didn't happen immediately. It took time. It took patience. And I didn't have an immediate result. And uh, then I had to go in and tweak my pay-per-click Amazon advertising. And... That's a whole process in itself. I set up my keywords. I let I let Amazon do an automatic one and I set up my own and then I had to wait a week. So it showed no immediate result. And then I had to go in and download the report, check out the report, remove the keywords that were costing me money with no sale and add more keywords that were that were providing sales and leading to sales and make those changes and wait another week and showed, you know, no result, no immediate result. A lot of this stuff took no immediate result. And it was hard to mentally put myself in a place where I was accepting of the fact that this wasn't going to show an immediate result, but I had to go in and do it anyway. And that's, that's kind of getting back to the point that taking action is slow and you, you take one step at a time. There's no visible result sometimes, but if you trust in the system and you trust in what you're doing and you believe in yourself and you have that confidence, then it'll eventually work out in some way, shape, or form. Right? In my case, with that last business, I did that. I got sales. I made money. I made the money back on the products that I bought. And then I decided that the amount of energy it took to compete in that space was something I wasn't interested in doing because I wanted to go on and move on to my bag brand, which is in the same space, but it's a much bigger project and different in some ways. And uh, that was what I wanted to focus on, period. And I didn't really wrap myself up in, in a business with my CrossFit wrist accessories, right? So it wasn't really a big deal. But the story really revolves around that main point that in order to be successful, 
because that was a success and also a huge learning experience. In order to be successful, it takes that one actionable move over and over and over and over again. Repetition. And it really goes for everything. So like those two fitness examples I provided, those are examples of people who were considered, you know, a lot of people use this word, don't use this word, they feel uncomfortable with it. We were both obese, right? (laughs) By, by, By number standards and by modern day outlook on the human uh, height to weight ratio. Like we were both obese and we, and we both got ourselves down to, well, I got myself down to my, my uh, normal weight height ratio, my BMI, whatever. And, and then I went on and made fitness a huge part of my life. So it's changed. And now I have more, more of a, of like an athletic build. And my, 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 my friend has got himself down. He's still working on this. He's got himself down to where he's still technically obese, but he's he's hauling ass in the right direction. And he's still accepting the fact that he's going to make these slow steps every single day. And he understands now, and I hope that everybody takes this message away. He understands that anybody can work hard when they feel like working hard, right? Anybody can do that. And it's the people who don't feel like doing anything that still show up and work as hard as when they do feel like showing up. It's those people who are going to win every single time. That's the way it's it's just the way it is. Because everybody can do stuff when they feel like doing stuff. But when you don't feel like doing stuff, it's an awful lot harder. right? And no, nobody feels like going to uh, the gym every day necessarily. right? Some people do. I do. But I know a lot of people don't. Nobody feels like eating a salad every single day. No one feels like making that call, that business call, every single day. Nobody feels like pitching somebody on a product every single day. It's just the way it is. No one feels like building that website. No one feels like doing all this stuff every single day. But even construction workers, right? They have to go build a house. A lot of times they wake up at four in the morning, five in the morning. You think they feel like putting on their steel toe boots, going to the site, climbing up a ladder and pounding nails all day or cutting lumber and framing out a house or getting up on a roof in the middle of June and installing shingles? No. But if they don't do it, the house doesn't get built. Okay? The, everybody everybody in that business knows that. So they have to do it. Well, building a business or writing that album or writing that book or doing that thing that you want to do is the exact same thing. Unless you get up there and you pound those nails and you cut that lumber and you put it all together and you frame out that thing every single day, at least a little bit, it'll never get built. And planning it on paper, drawing blueprints forever is never going to do it. Talking to somebody about it is never going to do it. Putting your awesome business plan into a online tool is never going to do it. But what will do it is if you put on your steel toe boots, you get out there, you start pounding nails, you start cutting lumber, 
you put it together, you frame it out, you build it, you get on top, you put the roof on. Now you have something because you went out there and you did it one day at a time, one piece at a time, one nail at a time. So that's it for this episode. I hope you got something out of this. And if you know anybody that would get value out of this, please do me a favor and share that with them. It would mean the world to me. Okay, that's it. I will talk to you in the next episode. Take care.